Welcome to the Money Wise Women Show, brought to you by MoneyMorphosis.com. Are you ready to be inspired to upgrade your financial skills? Listen to feminine leaders sharing practical advice and valuable insight. Shift your money mindset, improve communication skills, and learn financial management tips. Although we do not provide investment advice, you can check out MoneyMorphosis.com. That's money m o r p h o s i s dot com to find simple ways to boost your true wealth. Hello and welcome. It's Crystal Arnold here, your hostess of the Money Wise Women Show and founder of Money Morphosis. So I'd like to begin this morning by um, using our imaginations. And so I'd like everyone listening to get curious and uh, take a journey with me here um, because as I'm sure you're aware, our country here in America and in fact the entire world is in a time of great transition. And there is so much... uh, Um, You know, I'm an economist, and so looking at the numbers as far as the economic situation uh, can be a little disheartening. And, uh, you know, a lot of people in my generation, I'm 35 years old, are uh, really wondering what the future looks like uh, for our financial security, for our children, and how to prepare for a world which seems so emergent and unpredictable. And so I find that in this time of transition, it is important to live the questions instead of trying to have answers and figure things out. I'd like to bring in a spirit of curiosity as we imagine what the world will look like in 10 years from now. Um, in 2027, wow, would be the year. And so let's just um, take a brief, brief look at the best possible outcome of what may happen. And uh, in particular, I'd like you to imagine with me what a life-affirming economy may look like and uh, how, how people in my generation are now in the prime working years of their life and who are uh, coming into positions of greater power and influence and, uh, and, and we really are rising up to create a life-affirming economy. And what I mean by that is uh, a place where there is, uh, where the marketplace is seen as sacred where we are exchanging with one another in ways which are mutually beneficial, where we are stewarding our natural resources and uh, in a responsible way for the benefit of all and not just for the profit of a few. And in the sacred marketplace, I see many, many entrepreneurs um, offering their gifts in satisfying ways with uh, flexibility, in their schedule where they are having a balance of, um, of in their life. Uh, I feel like um, that will be very important. In this new economy, I feel like access will be more important than ownership and that our generation is really being called to be architects of this, uh, this new economy because I think as we all realize, it's not business as usual. And it's really up to us at this uh, time in history to create uh, a world that allows many to prosper. And um, I recently, a recent edition of Yes! Magazine was all about how um, the gigging economy, they call it, uh, the vanishing nine to five. And they really describe how um, workers over the age of 35 
more than 30% of American workers over that age are freelancers now and, um, you know, filing the 1099s instead of the W-2s. And so this is actually an incredibly exciting time despite the uncertainty of it. Um, we can actually step into our leadership and create prosperity together. And so I am so excited to have our guest, Lisa Chastain, with us, who uh, helps people, especially um, women and millennials, to really step greater into their uh, financial independence and power. Uh, Lisa is a money coach and money expert who has been advising and coaching and mentoring for over 20 years. She's an engaging speaker who often uh, appears speaking about women, riding the wave of entrepreneurship, building wealth, and taking control of their financial lives. Lisa's coaching process helps people overcome their money issues and improve the quality of their lives. With her experience as a financial planner, coupled with her background in emotional intelligence and academic advising, Lisa inspires women to let their guards down about money, take action, and get fast results. And so I am so pleased to have her bring her wisdom and perspective to us here today because it certainly is much needed to create um, to create this new economy that we just imagined. Um, so welcome, Lisa. I would love to begin by hearing uh, a little bit about uh, what excites you most about the work you do and, and why you focus on working with millennial women. Hi, Crystal. Thank you. What excites me most is that at this point in my life, I'm 37, I finally am at a point where all of my talents align and I know that I get to make a difference on a daily basis and have the freedom of owning my own business to mentor women to have the exact same clarity about their own lives. It's really an empowering thought and empowering place to be. And I know I was born to mentor people, and I've mentored so many people in my life, but the millennial woman is, I believe, one of the most powerful movements as a movement of people that, like you were talking about earlier, is really going to create a worldwide shift. And so it's an honor to be able to mentor millennial women to have exactly what they want and not have to wait until they're 40 or 50 in a midlife crisis to figure it out. Yeah. And, yeah. and I love how you bring <laughs> it's so true. And uh I, I love how, how your background uh really um you know, it gives a holistic approach because you have the financial background but also the emotional intelligence um part. And could you explain, you know, how how those two come together in supporting your clients? You bet. Starting with the financial background, uh, originally I, ju I started in the industry to educate myself. I knew that I wasn't going to be able to empower people if I couldn't first educate myself and empower myself. Learning everything about the financial industry, how to make smart investments, how to save, um, I think that it's important it's a first step, really, meeting with a financial planner to know how to take the right steps for your future. It's an entirely different thing to understand and transform your, your limiting beliefs, your behaviors, and your values that, so that ultimately when someone gives you the advice about you need to save this much, you need to take these actions to have the, the wealth that you really want, I think that what stops people in their tracks is their inability to do it because they have those limiting beliefs and, and behaviors that, have, uh, that are going to prohibit them from reaching their goals. So being able to balance the emotional intelligence piece of it, I can help women and, and clients 
really look at what's stopping them from having the wealth that they want. But then I can also teach them to have the financial competency and literacy to make the right decisions along the way. Hmm. Yeah, and these are such important skills that should be taught in our primary schools and early on because they're foundational. How do we relate to people and how do we manage our money? And yet they're notably absent from our education system. Um, so I'm curious, what, what common challenges and or beliefs, uh, limiting beliefs, do you see young women struggling with around money? I think that starting with that first comment that it's not taught in school and, and it's not taught at home either, let's be honest, that most of us learned about money, um, the, the vast majority of us, I believe, learned about money by experiencing it in our family life. And that's really where it starts. So whether you had money or you didn't growing up, how your parents handled it was your first experience with how to handle it emotionally as well. Did your parents fight about money? Did you experience stress around money? Were people living inauthentic lives because of money? And then coupled by the fact that it's not taught in school, financial literacy in particular is not taught in school, I think that it's um, it, by the time a, a woman, let's say, graduates college and starts making her first real salary, it's, uh, it could be a potential disaster for making the same mistakes either your parents did or not, not having the wherewithal to make the right choices with that first bit of money that you do make. So the common challenges that I see with women today, the millennial women today, is not knowing their own worth or owning their own worth, having an unworthiness conversation. They, they lack clarity in their financial situation. And uh, for many of them, their spending habits are out of control because they're not grounded in their why about what this money is going to do for them today and in the future. So I, I hope that brought the question around, um, that it's, it's something that I think that they're struggling with more than they're talking about. Yes, totally. There is, I've seen that too, the shame and uh, the guilt and the fear because money is so taboo to talk about that so many people internalize it and just really bully themselves and beat themselves up that they're not good enough and just um, are, are really hard on themselves and then mm -hmm. don't reach out for support and help and are embarrassed that they don't know the basic financial language and, um, and all of that. So I think it's, it's really important significant to the, the history and, and what we learned early on, like you said, at home. Um, so I'm curious, you know, as people work with you, what, what kind of outcomes and shifts uh, do you see? With, uh, right out of the gate, the one thing that helps lift the veil of shame is I work with clients in a strategy session to unlift the veil of the, the chaos or the disorganization or overwhelm that they feel about where they're at currently and help them get clear, crystal clear about what their current financial situation is and help them get organized around whether or not they can or cannot afford their lifestyle. More, more often than not, which is amazing, they walk out of that session realizing not only can they afford their lifestyle, but they have excess money that they didn't know about. So one, one client in particular, she's 27, and she makes, you know, at this point in her life, what she considers really good money. And her lack of clarity about where her money was going every month was helping was making her feel anxious and when we when we looked at her bills her spending it it was uh, apparent and, and eye opening to her that she had an extra twenty five hundred dollars a month that she could be using to save to invest to plan for travel to uh, take classes that she wanted that she had no idea about. And I find that over and over again with my clients in, in meetings that they have the, that immediate aha, like, oh, my gosh, that's a lot more than I thought it was. And that's really fun. Um, that's fun to look at. I think that's, that's one example of what we're discovering. 
Oh, I love it because <laughs> as you were speaking, I was like, oh, it's like a treasure hunt. Like people, yeah. <laughs> once they get, get past that initial thing of even calling you or reaching out to a financial coach or to get some advice, it's like, oh, what is really there? What, how, how valuable I actually am, you know, financially and all the other ways in our relationships, in our um, inner capacities. And so I, I too find that as I work with clients, it's like this discovery process that, um, yes, sometimes there's, you know, unfortunate uh, things you discover like money leaking out through the bank fees mm-hmm. or unnecessary ways that people are um, are just kind of leaking money. But but like you said, it's, it's just so empowering to have um, both the facts and numbers and as well have the awareness of our, you know, inner dialogue and emotional state. Right, and if I can add one thing about the shame, that there is a a prevalent shame about debt, that somehow they've gotten themselves in debt, let's say. But when we look at it, and I can give them the perspective of having, you know, having seen so many clients, I can honestly tell so many of them it's not as bad as they think it is, but they're in their heads about it, and they're stressed about it, and they have fear about it. So that, that, that's a money mind, that's a shift. Like, okay, it's not as bad as I think it is, and I have a plan now that is going to help me get out of debt and stay out of debt. It's a really empowering thing to do. Yes, and especially in this uh, generation coming up, I've looked at the numbers, and we are more stressed. Money is the number one cause of stress. Uh, for people under 50, and it's even worse for people who have children who are under 18, and um, and then the levels of debt are um, more than any previous generation. Um, so I'm curious, people in this age who have some debt, you know, how how can we begin to think about building our financial legacy? Tell us some more about that. Oh, wow. I think that, um, <clears throat> wow, that, that's one of my favorite things to talk about with clients, that once we're able to look at our current situation and uncover the, the skeletons in the closet and start to heal from the past and make decisions in vision, that's another thing that I work with clients on. What's your real vision in life? Why does any of this matter? Do you love your job? Do you not love your job? Are you living purposefully? Are you not? Once they are in a vision of where this is headed, how they really want to utilize their money versus being in the automatic and the catch-up game or the, the rat race, so to speak, the building, the building of a long-term vision, almost everyone wants to leave some type of legacy. That's what I'm finding and that it, it varies. Some want to leave a legacy of a successful business. Some want to leave a legacy of, um, of true financial wealth for their family. And when I'm, – I'm trying to think about how I word this. In building a legacy, I think it starts with the mentality of investing in yourself and investing in assets versus liabilities, so stop incurring liabilities. And think about, in that vision, where it is that you want to have the biggest impact on the planet. So for me, for example, I love animals. I've been vegetarian for nearly 20 years. I'm solid in my vision that that's where, outside of my family legacy, I want to have an impact in the world. So then as I'm investing, I can make choices like socially responsible investment platforms that do right by animals. That's one example. Uh, Impact investing in, uh, investing wisely in community banks that are giving back to the community if someone's really interested and wants to have an impact in family gardens. Are they investing in a community bank perhaps, just giving back to communities in that way? So building a legacy is not just about giving the, the $30 a month, let's say, to the ASPCA, although I think that that's a great start. Stop thinking as I'm building my wealth, where am I going to give that 10%, let's say, per year, and how is it meaningful to the vision that I have in, in my life and where I want to have the biggest impact? 
<clears throat> I love that perspective um, because I feel like that really, yeah, to address both the personal and the bigger community and global uh, and and. Val- what what do we value most and to really put our right. money towards that and and that's part of you know having emotional intelligence is is being able to have this patience of of being motivated by the long term goals and being willing to put off the immediate short term you know buying the extra pair of shoes because we have the bigger picture of what's most important to us. So I find that that helps people who are impulsively spending or in some of these other dynamics uh, that they can then feel a greater satisfaction because of the long-term spending. Do you think so? I do. I, I absolutely do from, like you just said, like instead of spending that money on that extra pair of shoes, or even if you need a pair of shoes, making sure that you're being conscious in your spending choices to promote and work, uh, support companies that are socially conscious or, or good actors in the world. Um, absolutely. Yes, and I'm glad you brought up the, um, you know, banking local. I feel like that really is a, a place where a lot of people, for one, the larger banks often charge outrageous fees, as I was looking mm-hmm. over some numbers last night, and um, number two, uh, the wealth isn't staying in the community and being reinvested. Uh, so I do encourage people lis- listening to uh, make that you know, really vote with your dollars and uh, bring that money home to a more local bank or credit union um, that is more aligned with your values. Um, Let's see. So let's talk a little bit about your training in emotional intelligence and why developing these skills are so important. I love this. This was an amazing window of my life. Although I still I still participate uh, and, and do training, I developed myself by uh, for about three years. I jumped into my own program, my personal development program, and I graduated. It was a hundred hundred day program, and then immediately began to coach myself and give back in that way to others who were building their emotional intelligence. And it's it's proven, I mean, Harvard Business Review has proven, or they're doing research that people who are more emotionally intelligent actually do better in the workforce than those who are have a high IQ because the value of emotional intelligence is definitely the people skills, being able to relate to people, um, being able to not take things personally, I think is a huge takeaway from an emotional intelligence training and perspective is that there's really nothing in life being done to you. Instead, someone who has a high emotional intelligence takes responsibility for being the, the main actor in, their, in his or her life. And that is why I believe that communication and social interactions are actually more positive because I'm not in a blaming conversation. It's not my boss's fault. It's my responsibility to make the things happen in my life that I say I want to happen. So, the emotional intelligence background allows me to work with clients to move into that responsible conversation, especially when it comes to their money and their spending habits. Really, at the end of the day, for a woman who's making her own salary, or even in her, in her relationship, she's not a victim. It's her choice. And I think that's a really empowering place to come from. Second are the emotions, that emotionally intelligent people don't let their emotions drive them, that when we're living in our vision. And, for example, as a business owner, and you might relate to this, I wake up and I'm the cause of something in my life. It really doesn't matter that I'm tired or I'm sad. I get to work with those emotions but, and feel them and let them through. But then I also get to still go to work and make stuff happen. So being 100% responsible and not letting my emotions drive me, I think, keep me in my vision, keep me moving, and I get to mentor people to do the same. Hmm. So important. Uh, these really are foundational 
skills that allow us to have greater well-being and more satisfying relationships and to really, um, I find that our, our culture has been, our society here in America has been so about the rugged individualism and going it alone and um, that and that in combination with this extractive debt-based economy has mm. created, uh, you know, kind of an unhealthy uh, co- extreme competition and secrecy and all these um, guarded right. places where people um, aren't able to be vulnerable and authentic and, like, connect on that human level. And so I feel like this is a key part of healing that individually and collectively is is taking the responsibility to have greater emotional intelligence so that we can engage with other people personally and professionally in a more satisfying uh, way that that really brings greater integrity and vitality to all of our relationships and to our community. I agree so much and I think that Adding to that, um, it gets people, the, the power of authenticity is that we have to leave our comfort zone. And especially being in America, we're such an innovative society. We were built on innovation. Anything, anything that, that is worth living for, I believe, exists outside of our comfort zone. So emotionally intelligent people also know how to have authentic interactions and deal with failure. And know that that's going, it's going to happen. It's okay. It doesn't define us. But that we get to keep moving and take risks in relationship with, um, with it, it's, worth, it's worth doing to have what we want. But I think that's where emotional intelligence is really powerful as well. Yes. Yes. It's so, um, so important to, uh, to really, you know, because quite frankly, I haven't met a person who isn't, or hasn't in the past suffered uh, from uh, their relationship with money, you know, uh, mm-hmm. because of the way the system is, we've we've really um, inherited a lot of dysfunctional patterns and beliefs. And so to really step up and be willing to get vulnerable, I've seen it again and again in my workshops of women just having that space, like breaking down in tears, like, oh my gosh, I'm so relieved to finally share this and just be able to to hear other people's stories and know that we're not alone in our in our struggles with money in mm. particular. Um, so I, I'd like to um, take a brief pause here uh, for a word from our sponsor. And then when we get back, let's continue this conversation about why coming together um, as women is is so important around these money conversations. So we'll be back in just a moment. Do you get choked up and flushed talking about money? Don't let fear and shame stop you from sharing your value. Speak up, sister. Find out how to boost your financial communication skills at www.findyourmoneyvoice.com. Perhaps you're like Gwen, a budding, creative entrepreneur who wants to provide for her family, but she has a tough time expressing her needs. She chronically undercharges and lays awake at night with money stress. With Crystal's Find Your Money Voice training, she found renewed confidence speaking her self-worth. Transform beliefs, behaviors, and skills with money. With greater clarity and focus, Gwen more confidently negotiated solid agreements and increased her business earnings with the trainings found at findyourmoneyvoice.com. We are back with guest Lisa Chastain um, and just having a great conversation about the power of sharing authentically and vulnerably, uh, especially as women, around value, self-worth, money, 
and and how we've both seen uh, in our work with uh, groups of women the power of coming together to share. For one, because it it um, dissolves the the shame uh, that's really been so many people carry around money, and and then also just to be able to have a safe, supportive group of uh, other women who can, you know, celebrate successes and also share our struggles. And I I think it's an incredibly important part of of being a woman and an entrepreneur in particular is having uh, open, safe, supportive women's groups. To, uh, to really not only explore money, but also just to, to have that personal support. Um, so I'm curious what you've seen, uh, why, why is it so powerful for women to come together as they get more empowered financially? Wow. Uh, there's on so many levels. I, I believe our culture has shifted Unfortunately, in the wrong direction as women have stepped into the workforce uh, as a, a masculine energy, masculine energy is competitive and logical, and we've had to learn how to find our way in that, in that community, in that space. And I think, unfortunately, also what's happened with women is they've become financially competitive in the workforce as we've become competitive with one another. But historically... Women are tribal, and we thrive as sisters and as sisterhood where we're supporting one another. The men go off, I mean, this is years and years ago, but men go off to hunt, and the women are there together. And somehow that's been lost in the American culture. Women are staying home. They're more isolated. And the beautiful thing that I've seen about bringing them together, sharing their stories, empowering one another, it's so much easier to stay focused, but it's also so much easier to own our feminine power and walk and, and learn together about, um, about how to become successful women in the world. I think we're all figuring it out together. But the, the, the value I've experienced is that collective support versus competition. Yes, totally. I've, I've seen that. Too, when we're in the group field, there's actually an amplified uh, power that that you know, as we're speaking, our visions, our intentions, uh, our intent for healing, um, that these transformations uh, have have so much more power because of the loving attention of the group, um, mm-hmm. and. So I think it's a great time if you want to tell people a little bit about your sisterhood program that's beginning this month. Thank you. I, uh, as we've spoken about, I'm I mentor millennial women, starting with money, but from there we, you know, what I found is a lot of them are actually um, learning how to be powerful in the workforce, to own their worth in the workforce. A lot of them are stepping out as entrepreneurs for the first time. So the sisterhood mentorship, sister mentorship that kicks off February 11th will be my first of the year. And it's bringing women together to find their power in, in, financial, in their financial life. So I will be teaching financial competencies such as saving, knowing their money, tracking their spending, learning the different types of investments, how to invest in themselves, how to pay off debt, those important things to ground themselves in making the right choices. Aside from that, we'll meet and and coach regularly on whatever is going on in their life. I've done relationship coaching in the past. I have a breadth of emotional intelligence coaching, coaching, so it's really designed for them to go after what they want in life, learn how to manage their money, and support one, each other, one another in the process and get on-demand coaching. I think that there's so much value in being in action in the trenches and having a safe, supportive place to come back, get feedback, dust themselves off, and get back out there. So that's, in, in a nutshell, what I'll be doing for six months in the sister mentorship. Wonderful. Um, 
And what, so what kind of outcomes might people expect from this? One in particular will be that they'll, uh, they'll start saving. So every month they'll get to set goals about how they'd like to see their life transform financially. And so they can expect to save quicker, pay off debt faster, advance in their careers um, by, you know, by having the mentorship, taking the right steps in the right direction, more clarity and focus and purpose in their life. Those are, those are three that I know will happen out of the program. Great. And where's the website people can find out more about it? Uh, on my website, lisachastain.com. Excellent. And, there's a link. and we'll put a link. Yeah, there's a link. Great. Let's see. So let's talk a little bit more about. Um, well, let's let's talk about qualities that you see um, make an that I I see you as as a woman who's in leadership, and uh, I think more and more we need these feminine qualities, uh, which both men and women can certainly have. Um, Mm -hmm. I find that these feminine qualities of, you know, uh, deep listening, of valuing relationships, of being intuitive, um, really lead, uh, create a good leader. And I'm curious what qualities you find and have developed uh, that create good leadership. Uh, qualities that create, uh, is it feminine leadership in particular? Yeah, yeah, think, let's say that. Okay. Uh, I believe that a, a, a feminine, a powerful feminine leader is a woman who owns her life, owns her choices, so uh, 100% responsible for what it is that she says is important in her life. And that she also can collaborate, that she's not, you know, not that bulldog per se, but that she's collaborative. And that doesn't mean a doormat. I, I think that a powerful feminine leader can sit at the head of the table and collaborate and own that conversation and derive the vision of a company without running people over that she can take in the the team and really lead that team in the direction and stay focused. I think also it's important that a powerful feminine leader can stay focused on what's important, but also is, is intelligent and versed in, uh, in all aspects of business so that she knows financials. She knows how to make important strategic decisions. So as much as she's owning her feminine grace, it, I think that that's attractive and it brings people in and they feel valued. She also knows how to make quick decisions, timely decisions, and communicate, communicate her why effectively. And I think that's the, that's the modern woman that we're talking about. Yes, yes. I love that description. Tell me a little bit more about communicating her why effectively and what that means. I think it really means sticking to her guns. That uh, women um, I've experienced can, can sometimes lose their power with other powerful men. But it doesn't, it doesn't, collaboration doesn't always mean compromise, although I think there's a place for that in the workshop, or I'm sorry, the workplace. But when it's communicating her why, it's about sticking to her values and, and her guns. For example, if a, a powerful woman believes that what's best for a corporation is to invest, oh, I don't know, invest more wisely in, in the environment and make sure that head to toe that, that corporation's in alignment with doing right by the environment, that she sticks to her guns, that she communicates it, and she can also effectively enroll people into her vision and help bring collaboration and, um, and purpose in, in the way that the corporation makes decisions for those values. I'm not sure if I'm communicating that correctly, but that's, my, that's what I mean, I think, by sticking to her guns 
knowing that she's making the right decision, being confident, and then enrolling people into that vision so that they're on board with her. Excellent. Yeah, totally. That that makes absolute sense. I think that's a really good articulation of um, of what what a good feminine leader looks like, and I really appreciate that that quality of magnetism that you described. That she's confident and magnetizing people and able to effectively enroll them in her vision, and and how uh, also heard you say something around uh, really, um, I think you said this, but it's uh, about, you know, in encouraging other people to shine and, like, uplift Mm. your team to really be able to, like, voice their opinions and know that they're important. And and I see a leader who's confident in herself and able to really provide space for everyone's unique genius to – come forth. I agree. Exactly. And then going back to the why, being able to do that in a dynamic way, but an effective leader also knows how to evoke action and stay on on course. And I think coming back to the why is what is this corporation about or this business or your own life? And let's stay clear and focused on that vision and, uh, but allow everybody else to have, you know, to have their say and, and their shine along the way. That's beautifully said. Mm. And so since we're both mothers, too, I'm curious if there's anything you'd like to share around how becoming a mother has changed your approach to business or has uh, influenced your own ability to lead. Wow. Oh, well, can I share a vulnerable story with you? Oh, I'd love that. <laughs> okay. Uh, there, there was a one clear moment in my head that shifted me for the rest of my life about being a mother and my connection to the greater good in this world. I've always been very empathetic, connected to animals. I have some funny stories about talking to animals when I was a kid. Uh, I've always cared deeply about the world and other people. I got so clear in this moment. I I worked in the Honors College at UNLV. I was the director there. And I walked into work one morning, sat down at my desk, and opened up uh, the Internet. And there was a a video playing about war, war war-torn countries. I don't remember the song exactly. But there was this vision or this visual of a little boy. He was probably four or five years old next to his mother, and this was from a war-torn country, and she was unfortunate she had been killed. So he's, he's standing there, and he's and clearly distraught. And that one visual, being so connected as a mother, as a new mother at that time, my son was a few months old, shifted the way that I, that I walk in the world and the way that I see decision-making, especially on a global level that whatever's happening on this planet, especially at this current time, whatever decisions we're making for children, for humanity, my child in particular, I think about how do I keep them safe and how do I make responsible decisions about my life and encourage other people to make responsible decisions about theirs so that children don't have to go motherless and that we can be responsible for the collective and the empathetic and compassionate but still drive ourselves and drive the economy. So that was a, a clearly defining moment for me. Mm. Oh, right there with you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. I just I cry so much more now that I'm a mom. And she goes, <laughs> me too. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> it, really opened, it really shifted me big time in my compassion and empathy for others. Yes, yes. And and gives mm-hmm. like a new purpose to my work, you know. It's it's not only about my own ego wanting to have a certain title or position. Um it's more about wanting well two things, you know, wanting to provide for my family, provide a quality of life that has balance between work and play with my children and and provide financially, but also uh that that desire and purpose to create a better world for 
my grandchildren yet to come, you know. It's it's mm-hmm. really does bring in that future desire, especially in a time of transition, to loop back around to the opening of our conversation around acknowledging what a transitional time is, uh, mm. it is right now, and what a responsibility I feel to um, really take a stand and say, this is enough or this is uh, too important for me to stay silent and play it small anymore. There is just uh, this driving force where it's like those moments, we all have them where we feel overwhelmed or sad about the state of the world. Um, There is, you know, a way that I move through that more easily because of that being a mother and I just can't give up and, and, uh, you know, hide away my gifts and talents because I care so much about the future of our children's children. Yes. Yes. Beautifully said. Mm. Mm. (laughs) Oh, let's see. (laughs) Where to go now? Hmm. Well, I'd love to hear more about um, your unique model uh, with the five A's and how you uh, use that with your coaching clients. Sure. I, uh, I'm a, I consider myself a transformational coach, and I think that the real juice and real meat of the coaching coupled with the, the knowledge and the financial education is keeping clients in action and accountable. But it all starts with the discovery. That's where I start with my clients. So I have the 5A coaching system that I've developed and used to walk clients through. It's a cyclical pattern, and it starts with the awareness, which we spoke about earlier on the call. What's holding you back? What do you want? What do you need to know? And how do you, how do you relate to money? And what's your current relationship with money? So building that awareness is key. From there, it's about acceptance. And what I love about building acceptance around a current financial life is that it doesn't mean it's forever. It just means that when you accept it and choose it, you stop resisting it. So you have to choose that you're in debt or you have to choose that you don't have the money and savings that you you think you should buy now in your life. Accepting that there is a new alternative and then shifting forward into the alignment of what's important now, what's important today, what's your vision, aligning your decisions that you're going to make about what you're going to do with this money and how you're going to save and how you're going to get out of debt or whatever it is, how you're going to build your your legacy. You have to be in alignment with that in order to take action where you feel congruent. So spending behaviors is, is, I think, a great example of that where are you in alignment with your personal values? You say that you value uh, animals. So are you spending accordingly? Are you not investing in uh, companies that test on animals is the example? So alignment's key. The fourth A is action. Once you're aware, you've accepted it, you're in alignment, it's time to get into action and create some new habits to build the life ultimately that you desire. And then that's where I come in as a coach to keep you in action when you get stuck. There's that accountability to say, no, this is what you want. And how do we move to the next step? You don't have to know how, but I'm here to help you and hold you accountable to what it is that's really important to you in your life. So with those five days, I see clients make great transformation and learn how to live a purpose-driven life using their spending habits and behaviors as, as a guide. I love that approach. I feel like that uh, that must be so effective and the way that it you know, it really is this inside job, this transformation, this choice to um, actively be engaged in our own uh, evolution and have a wise uh, support of of a coach or mentor or someone who can uh, keep us in, in movement with that uh, because that really is where we then begin to see the external manifestation of our internal shifts uh, happening. And um, any, any particular story or example you'd like to share about someone who uh, you worked with who saw some transformation? 
Yes. Uh, one client, we are at the end of our uh, our first coaching package together. And when we first met, um, she really wasn't aware how her past and her experience growing up in a, a blue-collar family, her father didn't make a ton of money, although they never le- they never went without. So she never really felt like that she went without. But she wasn't giving herself permission to build wealth or save because she didn't, uh, uh, you know, at the, at the bottom of all of that, she just didn't feel worthy of having it. Once we opened that conversation up and she was able to see it, we got her in action with creating baby steps into saving. And it was it's great coming into each coaching session. There was one particular time where she was stuck. I could just tell she was really stuck. And I was like, what's going on? She's like, I don't, I don't feel like I can save. I don't feel like I'm worthy of saving. And we had a very vulnerable conversation about it. And she wants to be a healer. And she wants to be an entrepreneur. She's stuck in a job she doesn't like. And she made a choice in that moment to align to her values, to know that she wants to help people. She's taking action to build a new career. She's saving. So today she saved, um, I believe, in just a month or, or six weeks, she saved $1,500. So now she's starting to take steps in the right direction. She's getting out of debt, and she's on a new path, enlightened into what's really important with her and not letting those past behaviors drive her, those past thoughts drive her. It's really, it's a beautiful thing to experience. Nice. I I hear how you, you know, uh, helped her get momentum towards creating mm-hmm. the life she wants. And, you know, as as we've both seen, a lot of millennials can be afraid of leaving a secure nine-to-five job and uh, and really... Do you have anything to say to people struggling with that? Struggling to leave the nine-to-five? Yeah, who like feel like they have a bigger life or vision of being a purpose-driven entrepreneur, offering their gifts in some way, but they're afraid to, to leave the security of a job. Oh, I think that it's, um, it's about taking calculated risk. And also... Um, not getting caught up in the 10-year vision or the how, it's all going to happen. I think what stops a lot of women in their tracks is they get caught up in, well, how am I going to afford it? How am I going to take care of my family? This is, it doesn't make sense. I need to be somewhere safe. And the biggest piece of advice I have is to find a coach, find a mentor who will help you learn how to take the the calculated risks that you're going to need to to step out on your own. So not having money and savings, I think, is a huge start to look at. If you want to get out on your own, you need to have something that's going to provide you the flexibility to take the risks that you're going to need to go out on your own. It takes a little time sometimes to build your your own voice in this world. Uh, so I guess two tangible, one hire a mentor, and two start to have a savings plan in place so that you can support your vision. Really great advice. Um, I love that. I feel like uh, there is so much potential in this generation, and you know, women and in their twenties. 30s and 40s, like we are really capable of shaping the future and uh, have, gosh, I see some of these youngers in in their 20s and even teens who are coming with incredible gifts and insights and new ways of, of thinking about things and it doesn't really fit into a box and, you know, the education mm-hmm. system is, is so about that kind of per- performance and black and white, right and wrong. And I feel like we just need to really uplift um, that that potential that is in the youth and uh, and really have a curiosity, like, you know, have have a generational exchange where the, we build 
just understanding uh, between the different generations because the baby mm-hmm. boomers often have a lot of financial assets uh, and, you know, have have certain ideas about what success looks like and, you know, what what track will get the kids there. And, and maybe the college debt isn't the best option for the 18-year-old at this point in time. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think getting some different perspectives and listening to the younger generations and what they imagine and how they want to be of service uh, is, is a really crucial part of creating um, a, a better world. And, um, yeah. you know, do, do you want to share a little bit about uh, what role mentors have played uh, in your life, people mentoring you, and how important that is? Absolutely. I, I've benefited from mentors from as young as I can remember, starting with athletic coaches. Those are, I think, quintessential mentors as we're growing up. Uh, or, you know, there's academic mentors. I, had, uh, I jumped into leadership roles in high school. My leadership teachers were instrumental in developing me in, in, as a leader in, in not just telling me how to do something, but one, asking powerful questions to tease out what's really important to me, giving powerful feedback. And this was something I hated when I was younger, but I value so much now that I think a a mentor, a good mentor, one that cares about you, will give you feedback so you know how you're showing up and, and understanding what's not working. Because we all like, like you were saying, we all like praise, we all like accolades. I don't think that we always learn the best from there. We learn sometimes from our failures. So a good mentor or coach will also be there for you when you're stuck or frustrated or in a dark place to listen and continue to ask powerful questions to get you back in action again because that's the real juice of life when we're in action creating. So the mentors that have played a huge role for me, one in believing in me when I didn't believe in myself, giving me powerful feedback and asking powerful questions. So then I know how to do that now for other people to have them get what they really want in life. Hmm. Awesome. Thanks for sharing that. I I really feel like it takes some effort in this world to to connect with mentors because it's not really like a tribal community where it's, you know, kind of defined and mm-hmm. uh, part of the fabric of society. And so to really um, encourage people listening to reach out and uh, develop relationships with people of all ages and, and especially look for, reach out to people who you admire the qualities and uh, values that they hold and, uh, and really learn from them and, uh, and find a mentor or many who uh, will support you um, in, in these ways that we were just talking about. That's really yes. key, I feel like, to, to building a satisfying, prosperous life. I agree, and and going back to vulnerability, it takes true grit and vulnerability to ask for support, and it's okay, no matter where you are in your life, to say, I need help (laughs) to get to the next level. It's just how it happens. If you want to get to the next level in your life, you've got to be around people who are at that level. So despite the image that we portray on social media that everything's perfect, the vulnerability, I think, is a key component of that by reaching out and saying, hey, can you, can you help me? I, I'd really love to learn from you. Yes, totally. It's, uh, it's part of continuing to grow and not be stagnant and, uh, and just be willing to be uncomfortable, too. It's like we are so... Ad- adverse to this in, in this culture in some ways is, is feelings of uncomfortability, whether it's in tender conversations uh, and, and being willing to have those and or being willing to be vulnerable and ask for support 
it's, it's going to be a little uncomfortable at first, but uh, trust me, as you move through that, you'll really feel the, the satisfaction of opening up and uh, because it's really at those edges of our comfort zone where the growth happens and where we can yeah. expand and then actually through our own journey uh, support people more fully and really know that all of our struggles have been part of what I see as part of our purpose in how we want to show up and offer our gifts. And so I say to people who are struggling or feeling stuck, like it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just looking at it from the bigger perspective and not getting so stuck in the immediate discomfort, but being willing to uh, reach out and get the support and know that it's kind of a, a chance for growth. Yes, exactly. Um, any closing thoughts here in the last few minutes uh, you'd like to share? Yes. Uh, I, I just, well, first of all, thank you for allowing me to share this time with you and your amazing women who are now listening to this show. Going back to finding your voice and money, it's, it's equally as important to find your voice about what's important in our life. And when we do both, I believe that's where where we find ultimate joy and satisfaction. And finally, your, your vibe attracts your tribe. So finding people along the journey who, who, are, who you feel connected to and accepted and are on similar paths, if not career-wise in life, I believe ultimately defines the direction that you end up going in your life. So finding a, a tribe of people who get you and communicating regularly with them about what's important to you, I think is such a, a, a beautiful space to be created, and there are lots of opportunities to do that. So that's my, my final thought. Thank you. Hmm. Ah, well, thank you so much, Lisa. I'm just uh, so delighted at where this conversation brought us and uh, really Hope that people listening have found uh, in encouragement, inspiration, and and really gotten clear on what is a next step for you in your own growth and evolution. Um, oh, I do want to say that Lisa has a great uh, money. Could you tell people a little bit about that free quiz on your website? Sure, it's so fun. Um, it's a money type quiz. You can hop onto my website, lisachastain.com, and at the top you can uh, click on the link about finding your money type. And it goes back to the first step of discovery and understanding what patterns and um, beliefs do you have that are driving your current choices with money. So it's a fun quiz. You can take, send the results back to me, and I'll help you know what your money type is and what it means for you in, uh, in running your personal finances and definitely your business. Awesome. I encourage people to take that next step. And uh, thank you so much for your, sharing your wisdom today and your valuable insights as a feminine leader. And I am just I feel so uplifted right now, like despite the the challenges in the world right now, I feel like it's women leaders like us and all of those that we are connected to who are actively creating a more beautiful, prosperous world. This is not just some woo-woo fantasy. It's actually happening through our determination, our emotional intelligence, our realistic assessment of our own um, own selves and, and our commitment to ongoing transformation and yeah. uh, really love the way, Lisa, that you demonstrate uh, that leadership and that ability to really continue to evolve and um, support the women you serve. So I encourage people to check out this program, uh, the Sisterhood program beginning this month, and also go ahead and and take that free um, money quiz from your website. So 
Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you. Uh, It's my honor. All right. Well, friends, here we go. We've imagined uh, what qualities it will take for... um, to emerge into a uh, a new world and to create a legacy of true and lasting wealth for the generations to come. Thank you so much, Lisa. Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, the biggest compliment you can give us is to subscribe to the show and rate and review our podcast at iTunes. Be sure to visit www.moneymorphosis.com. That's money-m-o-r-p-h-o-s-i-s.com to join the growing community of empowered women who are dedicated to creating the true wealth they deserve.